Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? What's up, Wayne? Welcome everybody back to the program. Absolutely. If you are new to the podcast, first and foremost, thank you for listening. And the premise of the show basically is Jesse and I take a movie that's at least 20 years old, and then we give it a modern day. By the time you're listening to this, that's 2022 cast. Absolutely. Happy New Year, everybody. We don't like to date ourselves, but we are doing this on the the New Year's Eve. So like he said, when you hear this, it'll be your New Year's gift from us to you. That's right. And it's good to date it, I think, a little bit, because that way, if we decide to go back and recast it a few years down the road, we can say, oh, look how old this is. Right. Or if we end up doing, you know, the sequel to this, we can kind of keep the the franchise going. Um, Maybe we can do a better job than the actual Hollywood studios did. (laughs) We could do something like we'll talk about the quantum recast in a little bit, but something like they did with the Lord of the Rings. Maybe we could have broken it up into like three separate episodes. Oh, yeah, that'd be a huge undertaking. We'll have to find the right series for that, Wayne. Today, we're going to talk about the 2001 heist comedy, Ocean's Eleven. But before we do that, Jesse and I do have a few things we like to touch on. First and foremost is you can find us on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. But we prefer Good Pods. It's a free app. You download it on your phone. And with every podcast available, and I mean, really, you can listen to Rogan on there if you want. It doesn't matter. But they really support indie podcasts. That's really their push is to try to get you know, smaller podcasts like us out in front of people. Absolutely. Good pods. They push the people that need their voices heard the most. And it's really awesome to be a part of the Good Pods family. Everything is super collaborative and cooperative there. And it's been so nice so far. We really get to comment on every episode that we get to listen to. People are leaving individual comments on episodes of ours. And we really get to interact with them in a new way that we had never seen before. So it's really awesome. Absolutely. And they rank the podcasts on there. So right now we are the number one after shows podcast on Good Pods. We're the number six film podcast, the number 11 podcast in TV and film. And we're the number 45 overall podcast of all the podcasts they have on there. I told you all Wayne was scrappy. You know, I told you guys he was going to scrape and claw and get us to whatever ranking we can get to. He found us on four different charts, folks. Yeah, we are scraping and clawing to the top, and we're going to stay number one. I think it's about a week now that we've stayed there. So once this episode drops, continue to support us. We love you all. The more five-star reviews we can get, the more listens we get, the higher we move up the rankings. We'd love to get to number one overall at some point, but I'm happy with number one after shows for now. Absolutely, because we are definitely after these movies happen. Every episode, we share our cast on social media where you can vote, you can give feedback, you can make suggestions for the next film. Please make sure you are following us. You can go to Instagram, which we're almost never on, but that's at Recasted Podcast 8. Or you can visit us on Facebook at Recasted Podcast. You can join our group, which is All Things Movies. I'll touch on that in just a second. But the biggest place to vote, especially if you want to shout out on the show, is going to be Twitter. And that, again, is at Recasted Podcast. So you hit us up there and you'll get a shout out on the following show. Yeah, we love to see all the interest and the the votes that we get. It's really awesome. And yeah, you vote, you get a shout out. As I mentioned on Facebook, we have the group All Things Movies. You can put literally all things movies in there. Some people put their reviews of movies that just came out. Some people put questions. I know Jesse, I think, had a fun one, which was pick a movie, keep one actor, but the rest of the cast has to be Muppets. And I know, Jesse, you went with Silence of the Lambs, which definitely takes a serious movie and kind of makes it a little bit funnier, maybe. I actually went with Kazam because that was a really bad movie. But I felt like if you keep Shaquille O'Neal and make the rest Muppets, it actually is probably a pretty good Muppet movie. 
Yeah, there were definitely some fun takes in that post, and then there were some poor ones. But yeah, I also had another one that was The Breakfast Club, where we just kept the principal and everybody else was Muppets. I feel like it would have been awesome to see him flipping out at the different Muppets um, and seeing the Muppets really go through The Breakfast Club life that we saw. Uh, But yeah, definitely a fun post there. Another one that I remember posting was the if you had to delete one of the mega franchises from film history, or all of them were deleted, which one are you saving? And, uh, you know, the choices were Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, MCU. Um, There were a few more on there, but I believe MCU came out on top. There's a lot of comic book fans, and and for good reason. Well, for the starters, you're getting over 30 films, you know, whereas the other ones you're getting limited. Lord of the Rings, you've got three, unless you want to count the crappy Hobbit trilogy, then you get six. With the Harry Potters, I think you have eight. And then with Star Wars, you have nine, but really only three of them are worth watching. So it just makes sense that Marvel would win that one out. Oh, so you think it's quantity over quality? It's a combination of both. I mean, I think, like I said, the the three Star Wars movies, if I were to pick actually the best movie out of all of those franchises, it probably wouldn't be a Marvel movie. But in terms of the quantity of good movies, I think Marvel wins it out. That makes sense. I think quantity of, of great actors as well. Marvel has really done a great job in the last 10 to 12 years of finding great actors, uh, either ones that we never thought would touch in the comic book world or ones that we'd never heard of and made them stars. So, yeah, they have the best stars as well. Our most recent episode, which is Die Hard, in parentheses, not a Christmas movie, which we already touched on, so we won't go into depth on it again, is now our second most downloaded episode behind Back to the Future, which was a collaboration episode. So our highest solo episode is Die Hard now, which is awesome. That is amazing. Yeah, we really appreciate all the listens, downloads, and reviews, everybody. Thank you so much for your your participation and interest. It uh, continues to grow, as does our love for you. The score for that one actually this one was a pretty big landslide in my favor which is a new experience for me i counted 35 to 7 that i won this one however the most popular choice seemed to be edge for carl yeah i was gonna say i definitely died pretty hard there i I was falling for a long time off that tower but i had a huge smile anytime everybody uh mentioned you know adam copeland who in the wrestling world is edge as Carl, they mentioned that that is right up there in one of their favorite castings that you or I had provided yet. So that was, you know, a silver lining to what was a very big and dark cloud in my defeat there. So, yeah, you're starting to rack up those W's and I don't like it. So hopefully we get back on the straight and narrow here, Wayne. Yeah, I think DKIF from Field of Screens, and we'll touch on them later, said that it's actually his second favorite pick. His first favorite pick was your pick of David Schwimmer as the lawyer in Jurassic Park which wasn't even supposed to happen because it was the wrong character. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was about as on the nose as you could get. We do like to give shout outs to people who vote. The first thing I like to say is just thank you to everyone on Facebook. Like I said, we don't do individual shout outs for the Facebook people, just the Twitter people. But we do appreciate all the Facebook people who chimed in with their votes for sure. I wanted to start off. The first one I have here is Wes Richard. He's a movie fan and he follows our show and he voted on the show and gave us a shout out. So I certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Wes. Wes, I'm going to give you a big yes, man. Thank you so much for voting. Unless you voted for Wayne, then it's a big no. I didn't write down who voted for who, but uh, we can assume that 35 to 7, the higher chances they voted for me. Yeah, that's you're right, man. Numbers <laughs> suck. Five Day Rentals podcast, their most recent podcast, you want to tune into them on Good Pods and give them a five-star review, is Apocalypto, which is the Mel Gibson movie I didn't see. I think this is the one he did before Passion of the Christ. Yeah, that's that's also one of the ones from Mel Gibson that I didn't see. So it it may be something that I check out, but I'll just certainly check out their catalog and see what else they have in store for us. C Melody, that's the letter C, Melody, is also a huge 
movie fan. She actually calls herself a huge sci-fi nerd. She voted, and I don't know. I, I, when I was looking at that, I said, have we done a sci-fi movie? And I guess we did. We did The Matrix, but it's also kind of an action movie. I don't think we've done a straight sci-fi yet. I mean, I guess that's that all comes from, you know, where you, you draw the line on sci-fi. I mean, Jurassic Park, I mean, that's dinosaurs bringing back to life, you know, years after. I mean, that's pretty scientific, and that's definitely fiction. Oh, yeah, Back to the Future, too, I guess. They're in a time machine. Yeah, so I, I think we touched on it some, and, you know, like you mentioned, Back to the Future, our most popular episode yet. The Casting Views podcast, they gave us a vote. Their most recent episode is about Christmas, so they talk about their favorite presents, their favorite memories, their favorite films, and their favorite Christmas songs. So that's a fun one, if you're still in the holiday spirit. Yeah, definitely nice to get to know the hosts. We like to let you know a little bit about us in each episode, and it's nice that they took an entire episode to really let you know about some of their favorites about the holiday season. And they've always been a continued voter for us and supporter, so we appreciate them a lot. Tony Heald, who is the admin of the Featured Presentation Productions group on Facebook. I'm going to have to join that group. It's private, but I'm sure we can get accepted. They have 243 members currently, so it's always good to get into a few different movie groups. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we'll probably get VIP passes when. Uh, your next favorite movie podcast, they covered Repo Man, and their guest on that episode was Katie from Walk the Cinema, who also voted for us. Probably voted for you. Actually, I think they might have been one of the ones that voted for you. Oh, jackpot. Love you guys. <laughs> um, the Film Rage podcast, they did a review of Spider-Man No Way Home. So obviously, if you're one of those people who wants to consume as many episodes as possible of a movie that you enjoyed, I did that with Endgame, which is how I got this whole podcast started. I said, I want to listen to every podcast about Endgame. Well, here's another one for Spider-Man No Way Home, and that is Film Rage Podcast. Check them out. Good pods. Absolutely, and, and what a film that was. Not sure if uh, Wayne's going to let us touch on that too much, but the actual podcast that these guys provide, they're going to be uh, getting into a lot of nitty-gritty, so don't listen if you haven't seen yet. Another individual is Trayvon Surgeon. He's just a movie fan, and he voted on our podcast, and he also shares some of our stuff. So again, if you're just an individual and you don't have a podcast, we'll still give you a shout-out if you vote on Twitter. Absolutely, man. Package of popcorn to you. Jason at Nerd Rovert, or it's at Nerd Rover is his call on Twitter. He's just, again, a movie posting fan. Everything about movies, he posts trailers. He posts, you know, anything about movies, and he posts our stuff, and he votes with us. So thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Big fan of movie nerds. All 80s Movies Podcast. They just did Raiders of the Lost Ark and Roadhouse was the episode before that. So, again, anything Indiana Jones, I'll listen to it. And, of course, Roadhouse is one of those bad movies that it's like a cult following now. Okay, you kind of answered that. I was going to give you a second to catch your breath and maybe take a sip of water, Wayne. But I was going to say, is this at all a hot take that I find Roadhouse to be massively overrated? No, it's, it's a bad movie, but like I said, it has a huge following because it's so dumb. And I'll give you an example of one of those we watched last night. We watched Crybaby with Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah I've actually seen that. Yeah. Oh, like Ricky Lake in that? Yeah, it is absolutely brutally horrific, but it's got a huge cult following. Yeah, you know, there are some really uh, Pulp Fiction right up there with them. Yeah, as much as I hate Pulp Fiction, I will not lump it in with Crybaby. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a pretty bad lumper, man. You put Winter Soldier in there with, you know, a movie you haven't seen yet. And you're like, well, I mean, I haven't, you know, uh, is it really better than, you know, The Hulk or Thor 1 or Thor 2? Well, I wasn't asking if it was better. And I wasn't lumping it in saying it's there. I just said those are the ones that I haven't watched yet. And yes, from what I understand, Winter Soldier is supposed to be one of the best Marvel movies made. I just haven't seen it. But I also haven't seen those crappy ones. I wasn't trying to lump it in with the crappy ones. 
How do you make time for like 16 seasons of Dexter and uh, what's this new one, Yellowstone, and you haven't seen Winter Soldier yet? I get into moods. So like sometimes I'll eat just a bologna and cheese sandwich for two weeks straight and then I won't eat it again for a year. I just get into like moods and so that's right. That's what happens. You just casted Sebastian Stan too and beat my ass with him. I know. Well, because I've seen him in everything but that. (laughs) That makes sense. We have the Cheap Seat Reviews. The most recent podcast was While You Were Sleeping. And prior to that, they did Ghostbusters 2. Here's a, a hot take. I think Ghostbusters 2 is better than Ghostbusters. I would probably agree because from what I've what I've heard and read about Ghostbusters 1 is it was very rushed. The actual production, the getting of the equipment and, and prepping all that and getting the actors together, it was very rushed. And so they certainly had more prep time for 2. And, uh, you know, I, I like them both. But if I had to pick one, that's the one I'm watching. And update, still haven't seen the new one yet, but I do plan to see it. Super Retro Throwback, they did a podcast that was New Year's Revolution, not Resolution, but they did recap the year that we just had. So, again, if you want to recap the year in movies, I would definitely recommend checking out their podcast on Good Pods. Yeah, I mean, this year felt like three. So, I mean, if I were to look back or listen to what came out in January, February, it would really blow my mind. Third Eye Movie Reviews is a staple in our shout-outs because they vote every week. They have a website called thirdeyereviews.net, and they will give you a written review about any movie or television show that's coming out. So if you're not sure if you want to see it, go to thirdeyereviews.net and find out what they think. Hey, people love reviews, audio, visual, you know, written. So check them out and give them a thumbs up. Bad Poets Society voted, and we wanted to give them a shout-out. They have a really cool podcast idea. What they do is they talk about the bad poetry that makes up modern song lyrics. Wow. I mean, there's a a lot of bad modern-day songs. Um. (laughs) Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, oh, man, I bet you that's a fun episode. And every every episode's got to be just hilarious to listen to them totally trash the modern music. Yeah, like, what poet inspired this mumble rap song? <laughs> Although, you know who was actually a poet, in my opinion, was some of those older 70s writers, people like Don McLean and Paul Simon, you know, Paul McCartney. Those guys were true poets. Oh, yeah. McCartney, definitely a legend. And uh, I don't know if you've actually seen it, but on Disney Plus, they have that Beatles series. Uh, I think it's four episodes there. The Get Back. Haven't yet watched it, but I'm certainly going to make time to. Film Shake 90s Movies Podcast. This is another one that I've always said I would give them a shout out whether they vote or not, but they continue to vote. So thank you very much for that. Their most recent episode covers Tim Burton's Batman Returns, which I'll be honest with you, again, I didn't like it because it's a Tim Burton movie. It was just too dark for me. Man, you, you took them from your enemy to now your best friend. I enjoy a lot of the Batman movies. I don't know if there's one that I dislike, maybe except for these Ben Affleck ones, but I enjoyed that one. I think I think I enjoy a lot of Tim Burton movies. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I don't know. It's just like a little too weird, creepy, dark. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the vibe. <laughs> the Beefy Boys podcast, their most recent episode was Scary Personal Stories, Sam Adams' New Beer, and a couple of other things. Scary Personal Stories, I have to give it a listen to see what they mean by scary, if they mean like ironically scary, or if they mean like literally I was in a room and I felt somebody touch me and there was no one in there. Yeah, or like, you know, near car accident or something. Definitely take a listen and and see what these guys get into. But it sounds like a a fun grab bag episode, you know, a stocking stuffer, if I may. The Total Recast, which is kind of like in our genre, they recast movies, is their most recent one was called Merry Twilight Miss, where they're recasting Twilight. So that should be fun. 
Yeah, for those 11 fans that enjoy that movie, make sure you check out that episode. Vincent and Kane uh, love to do movies that, you know, really deserve to be talked about and recognized and, you know, potentially recasted. So love listening to these guys when I get the chance. Binge Movies podcast, they did Vanilla Sky and before that they did Matrix Resurrections. So I haven't seen Resurrections yet. I probably won't check that one out if it has spoilers, because eventually I will watch that one, even though I'm not racing to it. And I will say as far as Vanilla Sky, I didn't love it. It's, again, one of those art house kind of Tarantino-ish weird movies. Yeah, myself, I haven't seen Vanilla Sky, and I, too, am not rushing at all to see the new Matrix movie, uh, John Wick 5, I think. (laughs) That's what I think. I always call it John Wick meets Tron. Yeah. Mike, Mike, and Oscar, their most recent episodes were Don't Look Up, which I know that you recommended I check out. I haven't seen it yet. Spider-Man No Way Home and Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I've seen a lot of commercials for Licorice Pizza. Definitely not something I would put on my pizza. As far as No Way Home, definitely a huge movie. And Don't Look Up, um, you know, it's on Netflix, free to watch and uh, star studded. Queen Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, I certainly recommend you checking out the trailer, and if that intrigues you, check out the movie. I'm probably about 60% of the way through, but I'm intrigued enough to finish it. The Uncredited Extras podcast, they did a two-part episode where they cover WandaVision, The Boys, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Paddington. So no doubt they needed two episodes to cover all that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so, how did Paddington not get its own episode? <laughs> I haven't seen the sequel, and I've heard the sequel is better than the original. Oh, man, they both belong in the Hall of Fame. Movie Mayhem, they did two episodes. They did Talking D&D, which I'm interested in because I did play D&D when I was younger. And then the episode before that was Jingle All the Way. D&D, man, Dunkin' Donuts. Get that nearly every day. But no, for real, Dungeons & Dragons was definitely a fun game that I played um, as a teen growing up. And I probably have more patience for it now. But uh, an episode I would certainly love to listen to. Now, one of those things where I could never be the dungeon master, you know, the guy that comes up with the story and everything. I'm like, I just want to play. Like, you can tell the story. I'll just roll the dice. Yeah, I have too many friends to be that guy. But I I know a guy that knows a guy that could be the dungeon master. <laughs> uh, defending your movie podcast, their most recent episode is Prisoners. I've mentioned it before. I'm never going to watch this movie. Just the trailer made me sick to my stomach. I'm not familiar with the movie, but if it makes you sick to your stomach, I may have to check it out. Well, the premise, and and it may make you sick as well as a parent, is that Hugh Jackman's daughter or his kids are kidnapped off of his front lawn, and he hires Jake Gyllenhaal to help him find him, but the kids are missing. They're prisoners of some guy who stole them. A Hugh Jackman movie you are too sick to watch. I know how it ends, and I'm not going to watch it. Oh, wow. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I won't say what the spoiler is, but I'm not watching it. Gross. (laughs) Uh, Walk the Cinema podcast, they did The Holy Mountain, and before that, you'll love this, they did the Santa Claus Trilogy. And it certainly got worse as it went. Um, But yeah, that was all over TV the last couple weeks, and the Santa Claus is right there at the top of my holiday movie list. Kevin the Critic, which is kevinthecritic.com, he is exactly that. He is a guy who's a critic who goes on, watches movies, TV shows, same thing, gives his reviews. So visit kevinthecritic.com when you're doing thirdeyereviews.net, and you'll get kind of uh, maybe a little competition there. Yeah, get a full scope. It's never good to just get one person's opinion. That's why Wayne and I are on the show together, and it's not just Wayne droning out. Stew World Order, surprise, surprise, covered Spider-Man No Way Home. So there you go. You got another Spider-Man review if you want to check it out. Absolutely. You know, that's going to be a popular uh, topic for a lot of people. 
Mashley at the movies, they covered Miracle on 34th Street, which is a Christmas movie I have not seen yet. And the one they did before that was The Night with a K, The Night Before Christmas. So I don't never heard of that one. I, too, have not heard of that one. And um, I've seen Miracle. It deserves to be on a Christmas list more than Die Hard, but it's not something that I enjoy watching on a continual basis. It's not going to be an, an annual watch for me and my family. Now, is the premise that like a like just like a department store Santa is the real Santa? Yeah, but it's also a very old movie, so it's 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 not my favorite to rewatch. Uh, so it's certainly been a while. But if if I do recall, that is the premise. Um, yeah, not not for me. Game for a movie podcast. They recently did the Eternals rom coms and another one you'll like. Last night at Soho or last night in Soho. Sorry. Yeah, I need to see Last Night in Soho. At this point, I'm probably just going to wait and see it when it becomes available on whatever streaming service bids the highest. But uh, definitely looking forward to it. You know, Anya Taylor-Joy is, uh, to me, you know, a wonderful actress and a cutie. Uh, to you, someone made her out of clay. <laughs> That's her, right. And pinched her face. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that out, you know, after I watch it, though. Don't spoil it. That brings us into our special section. So our special section, if you want to get into a special shout-out section, definitely interact with us on a significant basis. If you vote, you're going to get a shout-out. But if you interact with us back and forth, you'll get into the special section. Our first one, which we do every episode, is Field of Screens, D. Kiff and James, who break down sports movies. And their most recent one, I'm not going to lie, guys, I love you, but I'm not watching or I'm not listening to your podcast about Santa with muscles. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I saw you guys joking around about it. You know, you were giving it the old poke on Twitter, um, but it's not anything that intrigues me at all. I've I've got my Santa Claus, and it's Tim Allen. <laughs> it's not Hulk Hogan? <laughs> Absolutely not, brother. <laughs> uh, the Quantum Recast, which is another recast podcast, and they just did Gremlins in the year 2014. And I haven't gotten around to it, but I definitely want to listen because I had some ideas of my own of who I would put in there. I, although I did joke with them. I said, uh, who'd you cast for Gizmo, Airbud? <laughs> I, need, I need to listen to it. Actually, I need to watch the movie. I did listen to it. I tried real hard to find the movie on TV so I could watch it right after listening to it. But they wanted me to pay like three ninety nine for it. And ain't nobody got time for that right now. The Shoot the Flick podcast. This is Scott and Frankie. They're friends of ours as well. They just did the 2018 Grinch. And I want to say thank you because after listening to the entire podcast, I actually went and watched it for the first time. And it was pretty good. Oh, wow. I can't believe you're just now watching it. I thought it was a good animated version. You know, it you know, came years after the uh, Jim Carrey version, which is Jim Carrey playing Jim Carrey, and uh, much, much longer after the original animated version. So I thought it was a cute, updated uh, version of, you know, the Dr. Seuss classic. The Movie Wars podcast, they just did Santa Claus versus Jingle All the Way, and I'm halfway through it, so I don't know how it completely ends, but I know that they're huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fans, so I can only imagine. Yeah, it was actually a really fun episode. Uh, love how in-depth these guys get, and Phil is super hilarious with his impersonations and his comedic timing. Uh, he, you know, We uh, hear from Kyle, Phil, and Drew. Phil is just hilarious to me. Uh, every episode, of this guy is just, he spits hot fire, if I may. So um, this was a real fun episode, and I won't spoil who wins for you. All right. And if I didn't mention the premise, basically they take two movies that they feel are comparable to each other, and they war. So they have categories. So, for example, I know that in Jingle All the Way, one of the categories is best kid. And so which kid do you like better? Do you like Tim Allen's kid, or do you like Jake Lloyd? Well, of course, it's the kid from Santa Claus, and uh, what I didn't know after listening to the episode is the kid from Jingle All the Way is the same kid that played young Anakin Skywalker for uh, Christian Hay uh, was it 
Christian Haydenson or something like that uh, takes over. But yeah, the young kid that's uh, racing the pod racer, apparently that's the jingle all the way kid. First of all, how dare you? It's Hayden Christensen who I cast in Goodfellas. And then there is, yeah, Jake Lloyd. I knew as soon as I saw him in Star Wars, I was like, oh, that's the kid from Jingle All the Way. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed Arnold and uh, Sinbad in that movie. I mean, Sinbad was hilarious. That's the mailman there. Our friends over at When Harry Met Movies. So this is Mark watches movies with his son, and then the two of them talk about it on the podcast. Super cute. Love it. It's actually a fun, fun, fun show. So I recommend it highly for people to go on Good Pods and give it a five-star rating. Their newest episode was elf and jesse is probably going to say that he'll listen to it because he likes them as much although mark did said did say that he is joining scott on the wayne train when he was voting yeah well i mean i remember scott's stay wasn't too long on the wayne train but yeah any parent is going to love the concept that these guys provide and i I think it it makes you want to watch older movies or movies that you haven't seen you know with your child yet uh just like they do so uh, certainly give them a listen and a like the Best Film Ever podcast is another one of my favorites. They just did a holiday episode. The most recent episodes are actually the review of Hawkeye episode six, and they did a real roundtable on musicals. But for their Christmas episode, they were asking other podcasts to submit audio clips. And so I submitted an audio clip, which they played on the air. And I uh, appreciate you guys. Yeah, these guys are probably the best out there at really letting other people uh, know about other podcasts out there and really supporting them and uh, whether it be individuals or podcasts they're huge in that game and they're really fun to listen to um i uh, wasn't um as huge a fan to start off i think that's because they were probably the first um guest on the wayne train but uh since then they have actually been a, a really fun listen for me whenever i check them out and the matrix was an episode that i hope you enjoy as well because i think that was also their hundredth one so they went back and reviewed um, in quick snippets, the the movies that led up to their 100th movie. And the last one I had was Steve Doyle. For me, these movies are juice is the name of the podcast. His most recent episode covers musicals. And he gave us a really, really nice shout out on his show. I know that he appreciates that we do this, that we give shout outs to every podcast. But that's what it's really all about is just sharing in with all of that. And so Steve totally appreciate you we appreciate you doing that and we appreciate you doing it for the other shows as well so definitely keep up the good work yeah steve it was an incredibly kind gesture uh listening to it i listened back a couple times especially the part about my voice um but i think uh you know just overall uh just absolutely agree with wayne this is what we do it for is the you know the continued uh friendships that we gain and the the listenership and you know just the real community feel that we get from everybody so thank you so much for everything that you said and everything you continue to do And just to recap really quickly before we get into our brief news segment, I'm going to go through those names of those podcasts again so that you can listen. You can go on to Good Pods and look for them. That is Field of Screens, Quantum Recast, Shoot the Flick, Movie Wars Podcast, When Harry Met Movies, Best Film Ever Podcast, and for me, these movies are the juice, or are juice, with just the letter R, not A-R-E. Yeah, and if you find Steve Doyle on uh, Twitter, um, you know, he has it as his handle as well. So he's definitely all over us. If you look at one of our uh, movies, you'll see his vote along in there. And that brings us to a little bit of news stuff. Usually we just talk about what we've been watching. I did finish Hawkeye. I know you said that you haven't quite gotten through it yet. Yeah, it was something I started with my daughter and just due to the holidays, whether it be timing when I did have her here or, you know, the time that she's spending with her mother, just hadn't had the time to sit down and, and catch those last two episodes. But um, I know um, as you know, an adult in this day and age that you can't escape or evade 
spoilers online for that long. I think, you know, after about a day or two, I was starting to see it all over the place. So um, I would like to say congratulations on your crystal ball or eight ball, whatever you were using, but you definitely predicted someone's uh, presence in that show. I did. Well, I mean, it was a really bad kept rumor because Vincent D'Onofrio was like going on Twitter and blasting it everywhere anyway. So everyone kind of knew it was going to happen. But are you happy that he is in that MCU? I'm happy he's in the MCU. And this is a spoiler. So skip ahead. Spoiler. Giving you a second. All right. No excuses now. I was disappointed his nemesis did not show up in the last episode. Well, I think that it certainly leaves doors open for the future of the MCU in a way that we didn't think was possible in the past when uh, Netflix had those MCU series. So definitely excited to see the future interactions we may get to see. They did say that Daredevil will appear in the upcoming series She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and Echo. I didn't love Echo in this series. I know she's getting her own series, and she was okay to me. I'm really excited for Moon Knight. That's one I'm super excited for. Yeah, and that is Kid Harrington, correct? No, uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh, yes, touche. I'm trying to remember what uh, Kit Harrington's character is. He's he got cast somewhere, but yes, you are correct. Oscar Isaac, and that is someone we both have taken turns in casting. Yep. Yeah, Kit Harrington was in The Eternals. Yeah, but I think he'll have a future role somewhere else. I do like that when I was listening to, we like to listen to the Mac and Goo program, and I like that they referred to Echo's boyfriend in Hawkeye as ugly Kit Harrington. And he definitely is. Yeah, he's like Wish.com Kit Harrington. <laughs> I know both of us saw Spider-Man No Way Home, and this is something, guys, definitely let us know if you like this idea. I pitched it to Jesse, which was, Doing a few bonus episodes where me and him maybe just like review a movie like that because we both saw it. We let, we try to keep it spoiler free in this segment, but it would be cool to do like a spoiler episode where we're like, hey, we're just going to recap the entire movie. Yeah, we're not going to give you a bonus episode on Licorice Pizza, guys. But, you know, something as epic as, you know, this huge MCU bomb, you know, I feel like it deserves so much more time than what we give our new segment for. And I think Wayne would agree. And that's why, you know, he brought up the idea of potentially having an entire episode where we review something big and huge that you guys want to hear us talk more about. And with No Way Home, the spoiler free is that I really liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. Obviously, it's not as deep or emotional as like Endgame or Infinity War, but it's just it's a total popcorn movie, like tons of fun. I mean, let's just get down to the nitty gritty, Wayne. Is it a top 10 MCU film for you? Uh, I think I have it my top 10 because you would ask me about my top 10 or top 12. And I was like, I don't know. I never really put that much thought into it. And so I sent them over in no particular order because I was just trying to go through them. And I think I had it in my top 10. And it's in my top 10 as well. So that should speak volumes for people. You know, when they've put out over 30 plus, you know, products now and this vaults right into the top 10, that speaks volumes. So absolutely check it out if you haven't. And if you have, you know, let us know more about this potential, you know, episode that where we can really get into it. If you guys like hearing our voices and, and our opinions about things, then, you know, let us know if you'd like a bonus episode on awesome movies. Another show I, I just started watching, as you guys know, you listen, I binge watch like a show every episode. I've finished up another six seasons of something. And obviously I'm still continuing with Dexter New Blood because that's a week by week, which is killing me. But I have been binge watching Yellowstone with Kevin Costner on Paramount TV. Man, is it awesome. It is high, high, high recommendation for this movie. It is awesome. Or, or TV yeah, show. Yeah, that's actually one of my mom's favorites. Uh, she's been, uh, you know, itching to see every episode of that. She's been a huge fan. 
um, you know, jumping on the table for people to watch that. So I'm glad you're checking it out. And uh, maybe that's something we can get more in depth with uh, if it's something that, you know, you love so much. I know that you and I definitely both enjoy Dope Sick and we got into talking about that. So great to see some of these older actors just continuing to carry shows and, and bring such powerful performances. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you remember the old ESPN commercial where someone called Albert Pujols a machine, but I think you are a machine, Wayne. You, you consume shows like nobody I've ever seen before. <laughs> well, what was it El Machina or something like that? <clears throat> but the uh, Harry Potter. So I, I binge watched that over the past week. I, I watched all of them. We do that every once in a while, anyways, probably four or five times a year. But binge watched all the way through first episode because New Year's Day, HBO Return to Hogwarts. I can't wait for this, and I'm already getting the tissues ready because when they start talking about Alan Rickman, I'm gonna be crying. Absolutely. I mean, I've got goosebumps. You know, this show, um, the, the series uh, from Harry Potter and the book series prior to that, it means so much to me and so much to, to really the world. It wasn't just a phenomenon in the States. It was a phenomenon everywhere. And I mean, let me tell you, people, my parents were standing in line at bookstores the way that people stand in line at movie theaters or stores for Black Friday. Like people were kicking down the doors to get these new books when they came out. So this is a fandom that is really rare and unique and yeah to see it kind of culminate after you know the time period that has passed it's really going to be emotional and yeah i mean alan rickman the gentleman who played snape um you know what a, a continued performance um that he gave us and you know sad that he's no longer with us but yeah it's going to be a very tough but but i think fulfilling watch Absolutely. And I did mention bonus episodes. We do have one coming out. I did an interview with Eileen Starger. She is actually a Hollywood film casting director. And she actually works out of New York, but she did movies. If you're like, oh, well, what did she do? She did Night at the Museum. She did School of Rock. She did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which is the Kevin Costner one. So she's done some really huge blockbuster movies, and she was great to have on, and I'm just trying to whittle down the episode and get it nice and clean so I can put it out there for you guys, but that'll be a nice bonus episode. She did want me to say that she loves the title of the podcast, Recasted. However, the past tense of cast is cast, so there's no such word as casted. Yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. We're not changing all our handles, lady. Um, but I'll, I'll have you know on Facebook, all sports, and you know, all, also a fan on all things movies, Tony Dub. He did mention that in a message a long time ago and said, uh, just letting you guys know it's recast, not recasted. And I gave him a thumbs down. So, um, <laughs> But uh, as far as the episode that you have coming out, the one-on-one -on -one you did, I know a lot of fans, after hearing the movies that she's been a part of, um, you know, they're going to be uh, itching to hear that as well. Um, she's certainly someone that has, um, you know, brushed up with a lot of actors and actresses that, you know, we've either recasted already or we will in the future. So... Yeah, man, pretty that up and get that out there for the listeners. She did encourage me to write a movie, like a movie short, something that's like 10 or 15 minutes long. She said she'd think I'd be really good at it. Yeah, that, that that's something that, you know, would certainly be fun to listen to if it was ever, you know, provided. We could certainly see who she'd cast as people. I know that it may not be as good as Haya, but it would be pretty good, I think. <laughs> oh, no, it's nothing's beating Haya. <laughs> That, that's an original from our Field of Screens friends. Uh, check, check that out uh, when you get a chance, but uh, they're definitely having fun with that. And that said, I didn't have any additional news or shout-outs. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on? You know, I just, you know, to continue on, you know, the show, if anybody's been, you know, listening in, uh, I've been watching The Challenge and Survivor this season. That's really the things that I watch as those reality shows. Um, I'm not consuming shows as fast or as often as you are, but 
those shows did both culminate. The person I wanted to win the challenge, uh, CT from the state of Massachusetts, won for the fifth time. And uh, in Survivor, the guy I wanted to win ended up with zero votes. Uh, so I'd say it's a, a win and a loss for me. But uh, overall, very fun seasons. And I can't wait for the next editions to come out. As far as reality TV goes, are you any interested to watch Teen Moms meet Teen Moms from the ghetto? Uh, actually, it's already set to DVR. <laughs> it looks riveting. Oh, man, it's it's going to be great. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> uh, that said, Ed, you ready to recast Ocean's Eleven? I'm absolutely ready. Just make sure you're uh, watching the cameras. All right. Well, let's do it. Today's episode, we are talking about Ocean's Eleven. It came out in 2001, and it was directed by Steven Soderbergh. I know I usually do a plot recap, and I have a plot recap here, and I, I've been doing the, I think, IMDb one because it's the shorter one. I don't think it gets much shorter than this. This is the recap that they have. Danny Ocean and his 10 accomplices plan to rob three Las Vegas casinos simultaneously. Boom. In there, and out. Yeah. No, no fluff. Just there you go. It got a uh, 7.7 on IMDb and an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. What did you think of the film? I enjoyed it. Definitely remember watching it when it came out. Um, I like the sequences uh, between, uh, you know, big, uh, you know, actual moments, you know, some of the music they played. And it's definitely one of the most star-studded films that we've touched on. I think um, it's about as close to a Marvel movie as it gets in terms of the actor's height and fame um, when this movie came out. So... They spared no change on the budget. They, they were very Jesse-like. Well, that's a great point. And to bring it up, like I said, they had 11 people, and then you still had Julia Roberts and Andy Garcia. So to give you guys an idea, we did not recast Bernie Mac, Casey Affleck, or Scott Kahn. So Irreplaceable. That's, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a question, though. So in the film, obviously, we, we always do filled with spoilers. These movies are 20 years old. Come on, people. But... They split the $160 million evenly amongst all of them. And I was like, why wouldn't Danny get more for planning it all? And why wouldn't Ruben get more since he fronted the cash for them to do it in the first place? Yeah, I was going to say, Ruben was definitely pretty hands-off, but there's a reason for it. It's his money. Um, but I don't know, maybe because to me, it meant more for Danny to get tests than it did to actually get the money. So I think he'd, he'd be happier just splitting up his portion and making sure that everybody got you know their cut to make sure that he got what mattered in the end yeah and i think the same thing with ruben his motivation was definitely to get back at terry right yeah i think their motivation was more than dollar signs i don't think you know it really meant as much to them to get the money as it did the others and that's all i really had going into the cast i mean are we ready to get going i don't know who goes first this week my question just beforehand is have you seen all of the versions of this I didn't see the Frank Sinatra one from way back when, but I've seen the trilogy that's come out modern. And does that include the, the female version as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I did see that one. Oh, man. So, I mean, that's rough. I only have seen this one. Is that good or bad? No, that's fine. I mean, obviously, we're going to do any sort of trilogy thing like the Quantum Recast. It would be good if we'd seen all of them, but we're not doing that with this franchise. Obviously, it's the same guys, and they just add one. Like Ocean's 13, they add one more person, and then they have or no, Ocean's 12. Ocean's 12 is pretty good. I like that one. I like the bad guy in that one. Ocean's 13 is definitely jumping the shark for me. 
does most of the cast from this first one stay throughout the series? Oh, yeah, they don't lose anybody. Okay, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't lose anybody at all. But maybe it's something I'll check out and watch the other two. But as far as starting off, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to kick the door down, Wayne. And, you know, starting from the bottom and going up, as our friend Drake says, we're starting with Ruben. You're going to steal from Terry Benedict. You better goddamn know. This sort of thing used to be civilized. You'd hit a guy, he'd whack you, done. But with Benedict, at the end of this, he better not know you're involved, not know your names, or think you're dead, because he'll kill you. And then he'll go to work on you. And as you mentioned, he is the one that fronts the cash. Um, that is who Rusty and, and Daniel Ocean go and see first. Um, you know, he's sitting there in a bathrobe in front of a very lavish-looking uh, pool, um, smoking a cigar as he... As he does most most through the movie, is has a cigar in his mouth, um, and uh, his motivation is to get back at Terry Benedict. Um, he doesn't really care what they're doing, or he doesn't really support them until he finds that out that it's Terry Benedict's casino, um, and that's because Terry has plans to very shortly demolish what was Ruben's casino. Someone who's older um, and you know holds a grudge, and I think somebody who really gives me a laid back vibe because when they saw him, he was laid back. He didn't really stress throughout the movie, I think, maybe once. He's like, where are they? But beyond that, he's behind the scenes and always has a, a smoke in his mouth. And so for that, I went with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, you know, as you all know, is The Big Lebowski, a movie we recently did as well. Um, and someone who is always smoking something. Someone who was wearing a bathrobe when we first saw him. Was very laid back throughout the movie was stressing out a bit, but, you know, he, he took it in stride. Um, and I think uh, that, you know, really shown for me um, with Ruben. So, again, I'm going with Jeff Bridges. You know, he was in Stick It, um, a gymnastics movie more recently, um, and he was also Ironmonger in the first Iron Man movie in the MCU. Um, he has a huge catalog beyond that, but, you know, those are the films I'm most familiar with Jeff Bridges. That wasn't Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. As Ironmonger? Yeah, it was. No, it was William Hurt. No. Look it up, my man. I'm going to look it up say, while we're doing our thing, yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you look it up right now for the audience. I am. I've got my phone out, so we'll just chitter-chatter while I'm pulling it up. Oh, it was Jeff Bridges. How about that? I flex on him, folks. I'm <laughs> flexing. <laughs> so, hey, every once in a while I get one wrong. But, yeah, as far as Jeff Bridges and the character, I, I understand what we're trying to do. The age is right. I think, like you said, the hippie kind of laid back is right. And for me, the only issue I had with Jeff Bridges was he's a little bit rougher around the edges. You know, he's more of like a cattle rancher to me, whereas Ruben definitely has never gotten his hands dirty. Like he gets manicures every week. And so I think that that was the only thing that stuck out for me. I, I'm not saying Jeff Bridges couldn't pull it off. I think he could do it. I just was looking for somebody a little bit, you know, softer, not a fighter, but a lover. Yeah, he's Las Vegas Lebowski to me. Um, but I... <laughs> I could definitely see with, with with his look, you know, the beard and the grizzly hair, he doesn't look as prettied up as somebody who has owned a casino. But I think, you know, Jeff Bridges, on his resume, he has certainly shown you all kinds of looks, um, including the bald guy in Iron Man. But uh, overall, um, you know, I, I think that was a, a good start um, to the bottom of our cast. And uh, I'm excited to hear uh, who you brought to us. Yeah, for sure. So Ruben was originally played by Elliot Gold, who we all think of as Ross and Monica's dad, but he was also in America, American History X. He was the professor. He was in MASH for a long time, The Long Kiss Goodbye, A Bridge Too Far. I was looking for somebody who has comedic timing because he is quasi-funny. He's not like an over-the-top comedian. In fact, there wasn't a lot of over-the-top comedy at all. And somebody who's old, rich, retired, 
you know, kind of stuck in the 70s. You can picture him still wearing bell bottoms or whatever. He just definitely seems like he's stuck in the past. I went with Michael Caine. So Michael Caine is an Academy Award winner from the Cider House Rules. He was in The Prestige. Now You See Me. He plays Alfred in the Nolan Batman trilogy. So I think everyone should be familiar with Michael Caine. But prior to really getting into his older roles, he did a lot of comedy when he was younger, like the Dream Team and things like that. So I think Michael Caine definitely could play that old casino owner. So Michael Caine. He's very prim and proper, and I see where you leaned into that um, with the having Ruben, you know, prettied up, as he definitely is. Um, he, he's he's a bit old for me, but I think overall, um, you know, I, I could definitely see the fit. You know, we didn't need to dig too hard on these, and I think Michael Caine, you know, obviously my biggest pull for him is his Alfred from the Batman series. Um, and um, Austin Powers is dad, <laughs> but so that you can get some comedy there as well. Um, and I think overall, it's it's a good fit. Not one that I love, but it's a good fit. Now, Saul is the next one we have. I saw you at the paddock before the second race outside the men's room when I placed my bet. I saw you before you even got up this morning. How you been, Saul? Never better. What's with the orange? My doctor says I need vitamins. So why don't you take vitamins? You come here to give me a physical? And Saul was played by Carl Reiner, who sadly passed away in 2020, although he did live to be, I think, 98. So, you know, good for you, Carl. Yeah, that's a long run, man. He has done a lot of TV, a lot of one episodes of things. He did a lot of episodes on the old Dick Van Dyke show, but in movies, he was in The Jerk. He was in Oh God, which I really like that movie with John Denver. But for me, I was looking at somebody who's weak and meek. He's like a retired old man living in Florida, but he can flip a switch and become Lyman Zerga, and he's believable as a scary arms dealer. And so he's got to have like a comedy and drama background. And I thought, who does comedy and drama better than Ben Kingsley? So Ben Kingsley, also an Academy Award winner from the movie Gandhi. Uh, but he was also in Bugsy, Schindler's List, Shutter Island. He was in Iron Man 3 and Shang-Chi as Trevor. So I think that he's the type of guy who has the dramatic background and could easily be scary as like an arms dealer. But at the same time, could turn around and give you some of the funny lines when he's retired Florida Saul. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen Gandhi, but, you know, I've heard amazing things about his performance in it. And I know that he's a very well-decorated actor, Ben Kingsley. So I see this being a good fit, you know, age-wise and being able to pull off everything that Saul does between flipping accents like a switch and going from guy at the derby to guy wearing a suit and being very prominent from a different country. Um, he's very vital to the whole plan. Uh, so this is one that I, I like a lot for you. Um, I'm not going to give you the L word yet um, as far as love, but overall, I, I like this one for you. Um, for Saul, you know, he's definitely the veteran. He has eyes everywhere. You know, he saw Rusty coming, you know, be, you know, before he woke up. I think that for this one, I wanted an older gentleman that could provide a little bit of humor when needed, but also uh, intimidate you, whether it be with his eyes or with the way he speaks to you. And so for my iteration of this, I went with Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, to me, I love from the movie Click. I also love him in Joe Dirt. That's where I pull that comedy from. But I know he's also done some scary and, and serious stuff in the past. And so I, I really like um, what Christopher Walken could provide for me as Saul here. Somebody who needs to flip a switch between being serious, but also being a retired guy at the Derby. 
Yeah, I think Christopher Walken's fantastic. You mentioned some of the serious roles, like King of New York is a, a more serious role for him. The Prophecy, where he plays Gabriel, is, is a little bit more of a serious, scary kind of role for him. But he does have a lot of comedy as well, Wedding Crashers, Blast from the Past. He does quite a bit. And for me, I think you checked both boxes in terms of flipping that switch. So the up and the down, both sides of the switch are covered because he can do both things. I think the only thing I didn't like about Christopher Walken was he's a little too zany and kooky for me. You know, he's a little too over the top. And so I'm just picture him, you know, what's he going to say to Rusty at the at the racetrack? Like, hey, I saw you before you woke up in the morning. You know, it's it's not going to be great. <laughs> I'm dying laughing just at that delivery. I mean, I, I, I want to see Christopher Walken in this so bad. Head to hand combat doesn't impress me. I've got a briefcase coming. All right, <laughs> it's just going to be a little weird. I don't know. But otherwise, like I said, it does it does check both the boxes of of the drama and the comedy. Well, thank you. That leads me to our, our next character, does it not? It does. We got Basher. They did the same what I would have done. Only they did it by accident. Problem is now they know their weakness and they're sorting it out. They're fixing it. So... So unless we intend to do this job in Reno, we're in Barney. Barney Rubble. Trouble! Yeah, we do. And uh, Basher, um, an explosives uh, expert here, he is. He seems to be the problem solver uh, amongst the group. Um, and uh, he solves problems by making boom and not by actually explaining things because, oh my gosh, he confused the crowd. And I'm sure the listeners like me, when he was talking, it's that Cockney accent, I think they say. And uh, I, I don't know if... He really has any British in his family, but we know Don Cheadle isn't British. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I think he he's definitely provides the explosiveness and the uh, solutions when they need it. You know, he can grab a pinch and he knows exactly where to get the biggest pinch. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where we see uh, another character get into a mess. But for my basher, I went with a British actor, someone who I felt didn't need to, you know, put on a show and confuse people with his accent. But I went with Daniel Kalua. You're going to know him from uh, Black Panther um, as uh, T'Challa's best friend. You're also going to know him from Get Out. He was the star in that film, uh, Get Out. And I, you know, I know, Wayne, you haven't seen him because you're not in the spookies. But I really think he had a powerful performance there. And that's what really catapulted him into, you know, recent fame now. So fits that age demographic, that uh, location demographic. And I think he's a really good up-and-coming actor. Um, that could really do a great basher. He could problem solve and blow things up. Yeah, he definitely. He's also in Judas and the Black Messiah, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is getting all kinds of crazy A plus five star reviews. So I definitely want to check that one out. I didn't realize that he was British. So that makes it I warm up a little bit more to that pick then, because I will say that initially I didn't like it because everything I'd seen Daniel Kaluuya in, he was more of dramatic or action. And I hadn't really seen him do like charming comedy. But the fact that he wouldn't have to fake a British accent makes it that much better to me. Yeah, you know, he definitely has that British accent. He hides it very well in Get Out as well. You know, he was able to push a, a Wakandan uh, accent or from one of their tribes there. So definitely a versatile, versatile and talented actor he is. Um, and I think stepping into this role, I really think he could do his job. For my basher, I threw out the British accent. I just said, I need somebody who's funny, has a lot of energy. And I went with Kevin Hart. And I think that when we do these votes, I think this pick is going to cost me a lot of votes because there's a lot of people who don't like him because he is very high energy over the top. But he also did that movie Fatherhood where we got to see a softer, more serious side of him so he can act. However, I think that Basher is really pretty much straight comedy. And I think that Kevin Hart would crush it. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put you to the test here, Wayne. What is the comedic stuff that Basher does? I mean, besides, you know, seeing the explosives go off. I mean, what lines does he cause that make you slap your knee or laugh? I mean, I I saw this this choice of yours when you sent it over, and I go, hmm, that confuses me. I, I don't really get comedic from from Basher. Yeah, see, I think everything he did was funny. I th- and maybe it was just the accent and how bad it was that made it funny. But I felt like coming in so, and telling them that they were in Barney Barney Rubble trouble. <laughs> So the one thing that made him funny, you're taking away with Kevin Hart, <laughs> right? Because I'll, I'll make up for it with the the true funny nature of Kevin Hart. All right, I'll see, I see where you're going. Yeah, I mean, it, it could certainly cost you or gain you some some votes. I know, you know, he has a fandom on on either side, um, and uh, so I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Um, you know, personally, I don't love the Kevin Hart here. I, I just think he's he's too funny. He is too over the top. Um, you know, seeing him in, on on stage doing his stand-up or seeing him in movies with Will Ferrell and Dwayne Johnson, uh, you know, he's all over the place um, and he's wild and crazy. Um, I don't see him as smart enough. I think that to be a problem solver, you have to be smart. And I think that he would be too frantic and trying to make people laugh and not someone who knows exactly where to get the biggest pinch or, you know, the biggest bomb to solve a problem that had just recently happened because of the demolished building. Um, so this is one of the ones I I wasn't favorable with Wayne. I didn't love it. Um, you know, I, I like his comedy, don't love it, um, but I'm not a, a huge fan of his movies. And so this was not one that I loved here. And I think it was just maybe we saw the role differently as far as the comedy. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's one that when I picked him, I said to myself, like I said, he's going to cost me votes because he's very polarizing. A lot of people don't like him and they don't like his style. But I just felt like this particular role, he'd be able to really melt into it. And, you know, I, I think that that thought process may uh, go in the reverse for your next choice, uh, for the next for our next role. Um, so uh, when you lead us into Linus, and I think that's going to be a popular one for you. Yeah, we're starting to get into some of the bigger roles now. And Linus was played by Matt Damon. What is it? It's a plane ticket. A job offer. Well, you're pretty trusting pretty fast. Well, Bobby has a lot of faith in you. Fathers are like that. No, he didn't tell you. He didn't want me trading on his name. Who, you know, was in school ties, goodwill hunting. We all know who Matt Damon is, the born identity. And he was obviously the new kid on the team. He's very awkward. He's very eager. He's very green. He makes a lot of mistakes. Like you said, he kind of messes things up at the science lab. So I needed somebody who would have kind of an energy, who would be the young guy on the team and, you know, could play like the kid. That's, that's what I keep thinking of. He's like the kid on the team. And I went with Justin Timberlake, who obviously we all know who he is from NSYNC, but he was in Southland Tales, The Social Network, Runner Runner, which is a really good movie. These are all dramas, by the way. And then he gets into Bad Teacher, which is a comedy, Friends with Benefits, which is a romantic comedy. So I think Justin Timberlake would do a really good job of playing that Linus kind of new guy on the block character. Yeah, I mean, obviously most notable for his music career, whether it be in sync or his awesome individual career. Um, I am actually more of a Backstreet Boys fan, so I won't be voting for Wayne. But, you know, I, I, I did see him in, was it called uh, In Time? That one where you had like the countdowns on your arms. Have you seen that one, Wayne? I have, I've heard about it from several people, but I haven't seen it. 
I've seen it, and it was actually one of the better performances I've seen from him. I know he's done some other stuff too, but this was actually a good one. Uh, so I don't hate the pick by it. I just I wish that he had more of a, a filmography um, because, like you mentioned, Matt Damon, you know, he's, he plays the, the new young kid in the movie. But, I mean, in reality, he's, he's 31, and he's got, to me, he's on the back nine of, of his acting career. Um, I don't think anything he's done including the Bourne series, has touched anything prior to what he'd done before Ocean's Eleven. And I'm not saying this is his peak, but I just think, you know, everything great had come prior to this, but he had had such a great filmography that maybe just in, in terms of celebrity, that's where Justin Timberlake fits that mold. But in terms of like acclaimed actor, I'm, I'm not getting it from Justin Timberlake, but I, but I don't hate it. I, I do like it. Um, because I do get the energy that you said needs to come, and we do see that switch as soon as Matt Damon's character Linus needs to become the um, the gaming commission representative. Um, and you know he does he's a pit pocket. Um, he is someone like I said he's supposed to be young, but I just I'm not getting that vibe. That was something that kind of stuck out to me whether I'm watching it uh, originally or in my rewatch recently. Um, so he definitely came off as older than he was supposed to be. I don't think the ball cap from Harvard or wherever really helped. But uh, overall, you know, a fun character to recast. And my recast for him is Zac Efron. And to me, Zac Efron is someone that has his best stuff behind him. He's on the back nine. And, and maybe that's unfair of me because he hasn't provided anything yet that's that's blown me um, away since his huge fandom and what, what shot him into Hollywood with High School Musical. Um, he was also in both Neighbors movies with, gosh, what's his name? I can't believe I'm blowing a blank on it. Who's the, the curly-haired guy? Seth Rogen. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Seth, please don't unlike us and unfollow us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I found him to be hilarious in those, but those were also pretty big to be joining the screen with Seth Rogen. And then also uh, had um, a really awesome performance in the Ted Bundy tapes where he played Ted Bundy pretty well. Um, but I think, you know, he's someone that has a good resume, a, a very good resume, but someone who, like I said, is maybe unfairly on the back nine. So uh, a young guy, someone who may look better as that baby face in the crowd with the rest of our actors that we pick. Um, but I think he would be a really good fit as that guy that really just needs to flip the switch from not really in the mold, really just kind of shadowing Terry, um, which ends up being super important, to then flipping the switch and being pivotal with the Gaming Commission representative and taking down our Bernie Mac character. It's a pick I like. I do like this pick, and there's nothing negative I really have to say about it. I think Zac Efron, I would say, is really good in The Greatest Showman. He's, he's very good in that. And the one note that I have here is actually the first note. I put Zac Efron, colon, more established acting version of my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is that is true. And, and I, just, I just think, you know, with Matt Damon, we needed to have somebody that had an amazing filmography. But I won't take away the fact that JT, Justin Timberlake, has, he's, you know, amazing celebrity and, you know, he will draw a fandom. So where you may potentially lose votes with Kevin Hart, I think you're going to have a, a fandom of people that you know, may just like him for his music or who he is. But to me, I think his biggest role in, in movies to date has been as a troll. All right. And <laughs> I know our next role, uh, when we talk about recasting somebody, we're talking about, I know I'm going to let you lead it in, but obviously we're talking about a ton of Oscar nominations and awards for this person. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong really quick, but this is our Julia Roberts character. Yep. This this is Test, and what a, what a stunner she is coming down those stairs. You're a thief and a liar. 
I only lied about being a thief. I don't do that anymore. Steal? Lie. I'm with someone now who doesn't have to make that kind of distinction. No, he's very clear on both. You know what your problem is? I only have one. You've met too many people like you. I'm with Terry now. Does he make you laugh? He doesn't make me cry. She has been so powerful and, and in so many movies prior to this. Um, and, you know, I, I love her in a lot of things. Um, and I think that, you know, she isn't huge in this movie, but she doesn't need to be. Um, she is really just, she is the goal for our main star here. She is what's in the vault, the proverbial vault there. But um, again, stunning. We see her coming down the stairs there as Linus is watching. And that's when, you know, Rusty, our Brad Pitt character, first notices, oh man, what did we get ourselves into? This is why we're doing it. Um, and she, um, she really, um, I, I think she's a gold digger wing. Um, I don't need to, I don't mean to steal a line from our friend Kanye, but I, I think she's a gold digger. You know, she, she leaves Danny so that she can be more secure and be with somebody who she doesn't need to question what he's doing or where her life will be, um, as she moves on with Terry Bennett, uh, Terry. So, um, you know, I did put gold digger question mark next to, you know, my notes about her. Um, but she is a museum curator, so she's got to be very well educated and, and have very a, a fine taste about her. She is a, a, a fine wine um, and, um, you know, really pulled off that red hair. Um, the red hair struck me, and that's why you'll see I went with Rachel McAdams, someone who has pulled off the red hair, someone who has pulled off the fought for or troubled girlfriend and wife several times, um, whether it be in Time Traveler's Wife, The Notebook. Um, you know, a lot of people will, will probably first know her from Mean Girls, but, but that's not anything I pulled her from. But uh, definitely just a, a stunner of a lady now. She's actually about nine years older than Julia Roberts was at the time. Um, Julia Roberts was kind of playing above her age, but really just pulled it off due to how beautiful she is. But yeah, Rachel McAdams, I think a beautiful, updated version of Julia Roberts. Um, I, I have a feeling you mentioned the accolades of Julia Roberts so that you can attack the lack thereof for Rachel McAdams. But... Yeah, I think she's very funny. She's in Game Night, um, which I think is really funny. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know who you got. Yeah, well, and I will say as far as Rachel McAdams goes, I actually wasn't setting anything up. The two notes I have about the pick is perfect, followed by checks every box. So I think that she is actually the perfect cast for Tess. Again, not who I went with, but I, and I still like who I went with. But I think that your pick is fantastic. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Wow, I, I read you wrong. So don't don't. Don't vote for me at the poker table. Listen to Rusty. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely thinking you were setting me up for something there. No, so for the character of T Tess, I really have as she's a strong woman, but she also is very submissive at times. I have sassy, pretty. She's got a wholesome quality about her, very elegant. And I went with Jennifer Garner, who we would know from Alias, 13 going on 30, Electra. She does the Capital One commercials. She was Ben Affleck's ex-wife. She's very pretty as well, very wholesome as well. I think she's got a sassiness about her. So I really felt like she checked every box of Tess. Absolutely. Wholesome, beautiful, and uh, very well regarded in the acting community as, as a very great actress. So I, I think this is where I started to ride the perfect train for you, um, or I really, really like this pick. Uh, you know, the bottom half of your cast, I, I didn't love anybody, but like I mentioned, this is somewhere where I really started to feel positive vibes from your cast. And... You know, if I wasn't going to go with Rachel McAdams, Jennifer Garner was certainly amongst the top of my, my choices because 
you know, like you mentioned, she checks those boxes. She she seems elegant. She she seems stunning, um, and just a, a very well regarded actress. So I think you hit the box here. Our next one is Terry. All right, you proved your point. You broke into my vault. Congratulations. You're a dead man. Maybe. Maybe. May I ask how you expect to leave? Do you believe I'm gonna allow you to parade bags full of my money out my casino doors? No. Terry Benedict, who was played by Andy Garcia. He, prior to this, was in The Untouchables, Godfather 3, Black Rain, Hoodlum. He was in the movie Hero. So he comes across as very sharp and calculating, very deliberate. He's elegant and regal, but there's an intimidation like you don't want to cross him. There's definitely ties to the mafia. They never talk about it, but there's definitely ties there. And so I wanted to go with somebody who would be intimidating, but also elegant as well. And I went with a British actor, Clive Owen, who we would know from Sin City, Inside Man, Closer, Derailed, Children of Men. He's just a very handsome man who looks like he would own these casinos and would be elegant, but also has that kind of look about him, the way he carries himself. Like, I don't know if I want to make this guy mad. Absolutely. Yes. Suave and intimidation, I think, is perfectly molded with Clive Owen. I think the British accent only helps. You know how I feel about them and their evilness. Um, But I think this was a really, really great pick for you, Wayne. I think this was one where Clive could have probably played your Daniel as well, um, based on, you know, his look and what he can provide. Um, a very, very good actor. But yeah, I love the Clive Owen pick for you. Um, I definitely think he brings that intimidation. Um, and sometimes it's not even, you know, he can just look very suave and walk around that casino like he's very consumed by the business. Um, and he'd be cold towards just about everybody else. Um, so I really, really like that pick. Um, moving on to mine, uh, my Terry is uh, Rami Malek. Um, and uh, most recently he played a Bond villain. Um, someone who, you know, used intimidation and coldness to his advantage. Um, someone who, you know, had uh, a very uh, good look to him, I feel. He could be suave when needed. Uh, he was also uh, recently played the front man uh, of Queen, um, you know, Freddie Mercury. Um, so um, I really think he's a great actor, someone who um, has had a lot of, uh, you know, some TV fame in a show that I know that Wayne's a fan of. But you know, also um, building his resume more and more after you become a Bond villain. Um, and I won't say he did amazing in that role, but I think he did what was necessary. And that was, you know, pull off a, a cold and intimidating, you know, international villain. And I really think he crushed it there. Um, so I think that he could be consumed by the business and cut through just as I saw Terry. And something I'd like to bring up is how come Ray Liotta got in every damn mafia movie, but we didn't see Andy Garcia in enough. Uh, because he, like you said, definitely ties to the mafia and seems like he could be that that perfect casted guy in several things that really Yoda just he didn't deserve to be in all those. Um, yeah, but yeah, going back to mine, I'm curious to see how you feel about Remy. I like Remy Malik as an actor. I do. I like him a lot, and everything I see him in, I think he's fantastic. From Night at the Museum to Bohemian Rhapsody to James Bond, No Time to Die. I, I do like him in these roles. I didn't love the pick for this particular role, only because I think he's a little too young. He plays very much like he's in his mid twenties, you know, maybe late twenties. I know he's older, but he plays that kind of role. I think you could even play him off as a teenager if you wanted to in a certain movie. But the issue with that is when I looked up the youngest billionaires, because remember, Terry owns three of the biggest casinos in the world in Las Vegas. So he's absolutely a billionaire. And I looked up the youngest billionaires like they had all inherited their money, with the exception of maybe one. 
and I don't know, they don't really touch on Terry's backstory, so he could have inherited the money too, but I just felt like at that such a young age, you would have to have some sort of backstory, like, hey, how come Remy Malik owns these three casinos? Like, well, his dad used to own them and then died or something. Yeah, he definitely looks younger than he actually is because in reality, he's 40, and Andy Garcia played this role closer to 45, so I mean, there's not that much of an actual age difference, but I can see where his face, even though a little sunken in, I think, at this point, and he's, and he's got that, he's still suave, but, you know, he's he's hiding his age with that. But, yeah, he's he gives off more of a younger vibe, so maybe that's harder to believe as somebody as well-established as, you know, Andy Garcia was portraying here with Terry. Yeah, but I do like Rami Malek, and, and maybe he could pull it off. I just figured there would have to be some sort of, like, uh, a little side story you'd have to add into the script about how he came to own the casinos. Ocean's 14, baby. <laughs> uh, so I, I believe I'm next to go ahead and provide us who Rusty is. Okay, here's the problem. Now we're stealing two things. And when push comes to shove, if you can't have both, what you going to choose? And remember, test is not split 11 ways. Um, and uh, our Rusty um, was originally provided by Brad Pitt. And uh, at this time, I'm, I'm curious, Wayne, do you think he was a bigger actor than Clooney? Yes. Okay. I thought so as well. So I had that in my notes. I said, you know, bigger than Clooney at the time, question mark. Um, but, you know, he's the head of logistics. He's the one that really kind of gets all the guys together. He knows the guys that he needs a, a, to be a part of this. You know, he even is the closest to Linus and really vouches for him for when Daniel goes to meet him. Um, he's always eating something. <laughs> he's always got food stuffed in his mouth. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the right-hand man to Danny Ocean. And so for this, I wanted to pick somebody who was very well established in the acting community, whether it be TV or film, uh, someone who um, I think could play, you know, the head of logistics, kind of play, you know, a, a smart but, you know, somewhat suave guy um, and, uh, you know, not be as hands on. You know, he's really only involved when it comes down to the phone calls, um, you know, the dressed up as the SWAT or the commentary was walking around the casino. Um, he's not as involved as just about everybody else. Um, so I went with John Krasinski. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that baby face guy from, from The Office, Jim Halpert. No, 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 no. Um, you know, he has grown a beard. He's grown some muscles. You know, between A Quiet Place, where he actually directed that and acted in it, uh, to his Jack Ryan performances, I think he is someone that really has beefed up his name and his body to be someone that would be a better fit in a huge heist movie, probably one of the biggest heist movies to ever come out. So I wanted someone with a big name, someone who was rumored to be Captain America and was dying to be Captain America when it came out, and someone who is throwing his name in the hat as often as he can as, you know, the uh, Fantastic Four, um, you know, the stretchy folk there. Um, I think it's Reed, um, Reed Richards. Uh, but yeah, he definitely wants to jump into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Um, so uh, John Krasinski, that's my guy. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up that he was in the running for Captain America before Chris Evans got it, because that's really kind of my knock on him in this role is that John Krasinski, in every role he plays, whether it's Jack Ryan or 13 Hours or Jim Halpert, he's very wholesome. He's very Mr. All-American. You know, that's what I think of with him, like in Leatherhead, same thing. He's the guy who's going to be on the you know cover of the magazine, the the leader of the church choir, you know. And I, for Rusty's character, I really felt like he was more of a gritty kind of down in the slums kind of guy. He's a bad boy. You know, he has a kind of like a bad boy coolness about him. And I just felt like Krasinski doesn't have that. Like he's too wholesome. I mean, it's definitely fair criticism of somebody who has provided a lot of 
uh, wholesomeness on, on his resume between being a father or a a, a lovable guy in an off in the office series that people you know really kind of garnered some affection for i could definitely see that criticism um but i just think he's such a, a great actor that he could he could pull this off if need be you know i think you know Rusty wasn't as hurting as we needed, you know, as maybe you believed it to be because, you know, the guy's mound down food everywhere. They're staying in hotels. I mean, I think, you know, he certainly knows everybody and, you know, gets gets to where he needs to be. So I think he's pretty well connected um, and uh, he just pulls off a uh, an overtired look, someone who's hungover. This isn't Brad Pitt's best look. All right. Well, from one Jack Ryan to another, I went with Chris Pine to play Rusty. So Chris Pine is Jack Ryan's shadow recruit. He was in People Like Us. He's Wonder Woman's boyfriend. He is Captain Kirk in Star Trek. And I think that everything about him screamed Rusty to me. I mean, even the Captain Kirk role is literally like the bad boy leader of the team. You know, go against the man. And I felt like he not only that, but he has the looks as well. I mean, Chris Pine's a very good looking guy and he has that kind of. I don't know, Brad Pitt looked to him. So I, I, don't know, I thought everything was perfect. It was just like a really square and a square hole. He absolutely has the Brad Pitt look to him. I thought this was probably the closest to uh, doppelganger as it gets for Wayne. He doesn't try and aim for looks as often, but I think here's definitely where you, you know, encompassed, you know, looks and acting profile. Um, you really found a great fit here. Um, this is one of my favorites of yours, not just in this cast, but overall, I think uh, Chris Pine to me kind of screams, you know, second you know or second in command or right hand guy that you know is really uh scraping to to get to that that right that top of the the mountain there so i think chris pine is a great pick for you i love what he could provide to an oceans 11 remake and now for the lead danny ocean played by george clooney because yesterday i walked out of the joint after losing four years of my life and you're cold decking teen beat cover boys because the house always wins play long enough you never change the stakes the house takes you unless when that perfect hand comes along you bet big and then you take the house who was an er three kings one fine day i don't think they come much more smooth and suave than george clooney because that's exactly what he is and that's what i have here for notes he's almost like a james bond type character like american james bond that's what george clooney is very mellow very cool very soft-spoken and so for me i'll have an almost afterwards but i went with bradley cooper who, you know, from A Star is Born, The Hangover, American Sniper, Limitless. And one of the reasons I went with Bradley Cooper is because, really, he can do anything. I mean, literally anything. And I think that he would just be great as Danny Ocean, the planner, the leader of the team. Yeah, my first note for Danny is suave as well. So uh, that man ages like fine wine. I think he made having gray hair cool. Um, or at least that's what I tell myself when I look at all mine. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to kind of go in, in reverse order just to kind of show you how much I like your pick. Um, but my almost here, um, was Bradley Cooper. He was one of my two. Um, and so that shows you where I had him in mind with this. I think he is absolutely the star that you need to have here. I think his filmography is, is only gaining in, uh, notoriety and celebrity. He's, he's huge, um, between his comedy stuff, his action stuff, his, his drama, huge actor, and I think he's a very good-looking guy. Um, I I don't think he pulls off the good looks uh, as well as Clooney, um, but I don't really know if anybody does. Uh, but uh, definitely from from Danny, I have you know suave, confident. Uh, he's the mastermind. He's driven, um, and you know his ultimate goal isn't the money. 
Um, and so for me, I went with somebody who was, you know, recently a sexiest man in America, somebody who now has a touch of gray and somebody who is a massive celebrity. And that is Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds, everybody, I think, knows him synonymously now as, as Deadpool. They are one and the same, almost like, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves and John Wick. They are one and the same. Uh, but to me, he is no longer that baby-faced Van Wilder uh, or uh, rom-com guy. He is such a huge celebrity that looks his age now. I, I think, you know, while he's still a great-looking guy, he's got that touch of gray. I think he is uh, huge. Um, certainly provides comedy, can provide drama, and recently did a heist uh, movie that, you know, gained a lot of notoriety on Netflix with Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot in Red Notice. So... Uh, I think, you know, he certainly has that mastermind and, you know, comedic quippy timing um, that he would need to have to be the mastermind of the newest Ocean's Eleven remake. Yeah, he is definitely sexy and he's a good looking guy. And I think that he he checks off a couple of the boxes. But the thing that really I think I lost or lost me on Ryan Reynolds was too much energy like i said danny's very very chill he's just floating down the river on a nice little float whereas ryan reynolds has tons of energy like I've, ne I've never really seen him play calm even when he does drama when he does comedy he's just very almost like he's had three red bulls before he got on set and like i said a little too jokey he's not smooth enough for me like i said he's handsome but i mean suave like james bond go up to the bar shaken not stirred i can't like that's Clooney to me and i, I just didn't see that with ryan reynolds Right. Yeah, I definitely see where he definitely brings more energy and, you know, probably more comedy than necessary for um, what Daniel provided, because he's definitely not the comedy, you know, provider in this movie. But uh, I just thought, man, I need somebody who is that type of star, who has, you know, that type of uh, following. Um, and I think that Ryan Reynolds is that celebrity. Um, I was looking for somebody who is considered to be by many you know, a very sexy guy and who does have the, those dashing looks um, with a touch of gray. Now, I didn't want anybody who looks too young for the role. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll take the hits with the misses here. I'm, I'm happy with my Ryan Reynolds pick, but like I mentioned, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper was my, you know, my 1B. And my 1C, curious to see how you feel about this, was actually Idris Elba. Uh, I actually love it. I, I, Idris Elba was my 1, like literally my 1. But I said, if I cast Idris Elba as Danny Ocean, Jesse's going to have a field day about this being like the third time I've picked him for something. Yeah, but yeah, it was definitely one that came to mind, especially after uh, that Netflix uh, movie that came out, The Heart of They Fall. I think that he played a really great acting role in that. And I think that he's just a great actor. He provides that that current generation, uh, you know, looks better um, with old age, um, the little gray in his beard and. I think he would have done a great Daniel Ocean, too. But, yeah, I ended up going with Ryan Reynolds, and I'm happy with it. But, again, I love your Bradley Cooper pick. Yeah, for sure. And my 1B, who I almost changed it to, even after you sent me your cast and I had mine in stone, I still almost changed it the last second before I sent it, was John Hamm, who, you know, we know him from Mad Men, Tag. He's uh, was a Bridesmaids. He's an extremely good-looking guy, very smooth, very suave, and extremely funny, super funny guy. I think he would be great as Danny Ocean. I don't think it's a bad pick. I didn't like go against it because I thought it would be bad. I just thought maybe Bradley Cooper would be a bigger star on the on the title than John Hamm. Yeah, I, I think name-wise, probably a bigger name, but I think look-wise, I would have loved John Hamm more. I think he definitely pulls off the uh, current George Clooney-esque uh, type of look better than Bradley Cooper does. Uh, Bradley Cooper still gives me kind of like California vibes and I you know I 
I think of Rocket Raccoon and I think of uh, The Hangover with him. Uh, but uh, still a great pick. I think overall this was a very fun movie to do. I think it would have been very difficult for either one of us to uh, provide bad casts unless we went with complete nobodies because that's not what this movie was. It was 11 really big stars and some that we didn't even cast. So I uh, really loved everything you provided um, as a whole. I know that I'd watch your movie and I'd force you to watch mine. <laughs> okay. I mean, any Ocean's Eleven movie I would watch anyways, just because it's a fun heist movie. But that said, I guess we really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. And after you hear this, then the next day you'll get to see all the cast side by side, the original plus mine and Jesse's cast. And hopefully you give it a vote. And if you go on Twitter to give a vote, you'll get a shout out. And if you want to interact with us, maybe give us your thoughts on who you would have picked or thoughts on the more in-depth of a vote you give us or the more you interact with us, the more likely you are to get the special shout out. Correct, and uh, we'll see you guys all next year. That's right. I hate that when people on the 31st, like, hey, see you next year. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yeah, there we go. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody, and I guess that's all, folks. That's all, folks. (laughs) 